Hello, wonderfuls. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, on today's episode, we have Chantal Zimmerman from Sensory Garden and Play. So Chantal is the creator and founder of an amazing forest school in New Jersey, America. The purpose of Sensory Garden and Play is part of a revolution in the education system. The idea that preschoolers are able to learn about weather, trees and nature beyond just a pile of worksheets within four walls. It is meant to cultivate their understanding about nature by actually experiencing it. Crazy, hey? First-hand and developing a deeper connection to their natural environment, all whilst playing. It's not just all mud and rolling around. I think it's brilliant what she does. I've wanted her on here for some time and we've finally managed to make time schedules match up. I hope you enjoy it and let me know your thoughts. Hey, you are listening to Another Way of Living, a podcast where you will hear solo life coaching sessions from myself, as well as conversations with some extraordinary individuals, which will bring that curious little child back to life. From life's biggest lessons to tales of adventures near and far, we will cover all things light and dark whilst finding our way back to ourselves. Join me on this journey of finding how to live in alignment of your full human capacity. I am Kelly Jones, a life coach and your host of Another Way of Living. So I was working out where I first kind of come across you and I think it was where one of your videos went viral and it must have been around was it during COVID time maybe around then and there was this video and there's these kids that they're playing in mud they're rolling all around there's this line which is something like about preserving their childhood and people went crazy for it and and I remember seeing it I saw it about four or five of my friends shared it I'm then like, I need to share the hell out of this. Like, I love it. Everyone's liking it, being like, oh my God, why aren't we doing this as adults? And yeah, I then, I guess that's where my obsession of you began. So just to kind of go back to there, I love that. And he's like, this is a lot, right? And (laughs) And that's why we started laughing was actually because he's working through learning to play like this, where the other kids, and one of them is mine. So the Matthew McConaughey, uh, voiceover worked so well with that's how we should be living between the audio and that it just went viral really authentically Mm. right it's really a message that we don't um so when I started thinking about before I do any podcast um, I always go back to like the center theme of what you're doing and I I've gone through uh some of the stuff that you've done and so my thing is why I said yes and I wanted to come on here is because the message that we have to do things the way we're told is wrong we have to do them from our heart and what is right for us Mm -hmm. um and so here you are saying like you know I'd love for you to be on I'm like really why and (laughs) um they're actually a European model it's actually in, uh, I think it was a Scandinavian model, Danish. Um, I think it's a Danish model. And so what happened is before I had had my kids, I worked in the public sector and um, I taught. I did the public sector. I did all the things. And I there was something missing. And I knew, right? Intuitively, you just know. And so when I had my daughters, um, I knew that it, I was going to change it whether, and I, I say this to my children in the program and my own children, I'm not going to change the world, but I want to make sure that I pave the way for you to change the world. Mm-hmm. It is something that is uh, ingrained in me. And I tell them that all the time. Um, I'm just a catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are going to do the work though. And it's going to, I'm going to make it open for you. So it's mm-hmm. going to be easy. 
Um, and so for me, sensory garden play is this idea that first of all, we have to be outdoors. When you look at the education system and we spend 22 in New Jersey, the recess is anywhere between 22 and 30 minutes a day outdoors is criminal. That's all that are standards. And I'm not sure about everybody else. Um, and when you think about that, and then they go home and they go to these um, after school curriculums that are very regulated. You're not really enjoying the moment because you're constantly being told where we're going. And again, these are well-meaning parents, parents who want the best for their children. It's They're doing what they're supposed to do. And at some point you have to say this isn't working because the mental health is an issue, right? We see it mm -hmm. with adults now and everybody keeps saying like, why is it on the rise? But nobody's looking at the actual day of a child mm -hmm. and the stress. And so when your body is not regulated, your whole body, think about when you're upset, you're not going to learn, but yet we make them learn when they're under stress. You have to, you have to have to get that grade. Um, and then we grow up and we have anxiety and we're like, I don't know where I got this from. Let's break down the system. Um, and so for me, it's really important in our program that the first thing the kids do when they come in um, is we play. Play is for parents because it's hard. I'm a parent um, is frivolous, but play has components to it that are so important. And mm -hmm. also the way you come in as a, you think about when you go to work, you have a cup of coffee, you decompress, and then you get to your day. Yet we don't allow that for the children. Mm. So play has to be in their forefront, right? Get those wiggles out. And, <laughs> and so we've gotten to the point of let's go to school and sit down. How are we going to ask you to sit when you haven't de-stressed? Mm. Because there is a transition of getting out of the car and doing all the things. And so we play. And then after we play, uh, you know, we snack, but what we call the morning is morning engagement. Our mm -hmm. staff and myself, we have to engage with you. We have to make you feel like you belong. And that's a pivotal time because you don't know if somebody had a really rough morning and we have to be there. So for us, we're always outdoors. We're 98% outdoors in New Jersey. That's unheard of because we have a thing called winter and people get afraid of this thing called winter. <laughs> and so like, how dare you have the kids outside in the snow? Um, and to the people that are not sure what this is, uh, when you adapt all year outside in the snow, what happens is you actually love the element mm. and you build this thing. And I love using this word. It's called resilience. <laughs> right. And so well-meaning parents will always say, well, in the rain, what do you do? I'm like, oh, those are the best days. That's a warm day. Uh looking for worms and puddle hunts um so there is this idea of like how could you be outside um and for those listeners if you pick up anything please pick up a book and i have no affiliation with her um and i've actually done a live with her it's called there's no such thing as bad weather it's a brilliant book i'm writing it down there's no yeah. such thing as bad weather yeah she's a danish uh, mother hmm. i think she lives in sweden and her hmm. name linda Linda, that's right. I just did a live with her um, just to try to, for people to understand the difference of like societies and the norms behind it, because I think that's something to acknowledge. Um, so yeah, I think sensory garden play, we just do it holistically. We're uh, showing you how to do breath work. We're showing you how to do yoga. We're showing you how to ground. We do sit spot journaling with, we created this nature book and it's not a uh, draw something. It's how does your heart feel? Mm. that's a very intentional question that we ask our kids every morning and when you ask an adult whew, adults can't answer that 
Yeah, just even thinking. We are, yeah, it's just answering in a way that is accepted where a child doesn't feel, I guess, the form at a young age, and we'll talk more about this almost, the form of embarrassment. They just say what they think, right? It's like free world, what can they say? Um, When we ask a parent, as a mom, you know, how are you? She's like, oh, I'm tired, (laughs) busy. But it's not an intentional, you know, it's just programmed. So all of a sudden Mm. now I ask children, like, how is your heart today? And we usually have this color scheme and they'll say, my heart is yellow. That means I'm happy. And where, where, where do you feel yellow? Because sometimes it is your heart and sometimes they'll say it's right here. And now they're identifying that they're happy in their head. So it just might be one more thing. And then you bring the step further to our children and you say, you know, how does that look like? How are the lines? And they'll say, oh, cloudy. Now think about that. Their heart is yellow, but they feel it in their brain and it's cloudy. And you say, well, what do you mean? They're like, well, it swirls, like happy swirls. So now you're really getting into that layer of how that child's doing this morning. Right. And so it's not a busyness. It's a really intentional conversation. And in society, we have forgotten to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so when we teach children at a very young age to communicate like this, it's a, a different form and it's building a true relationship. Because mm-hmm. why do you go talk to a best friend, a husband, a, anyone? Because they're listening, right? So a child's not going to talk to you if they're not hearing that you're really paying attention to them. Besides being outdoors, uh, teaching resilience, um, teaching the whole child, and then what we do, I know, because every pedagogy is very different for four schools, but one of the things that I uh, really have put in place is there is an hour where we separate kids and we don't do it by age. We do it by um, their development, five-year-olds. Um, and so one of the things that we've accomplished with that is that is the theme of the week and it's nature-based. So to give you a good idea, we just started our program. And last week I, I <laughs> on purpose took all, all crayons, all paint away. And I said, you know, we have this real life problem and we don't have these tools. We started a program. We don't have it. What are we going to do? I know exactly where I was going with it. And the other kids that had been there last year said, we can get paint from rocks. And I was like, do tell, tell me more. Where should we find it? And some of the kids were like, it's always by the water. Let's go. We're going to go. And I was like, well, here's the rock. And there's a lot of us and we can scrape the paint. But what else can we do? And they saw that I had the hammers. They're like, let's hammer it down. Now they're using real tools, right? Because one of the things that we forget, and I know it's well-meaning, but a lot of it is just society, is we buy all these fake to- uh, play stuff. Kids don't care for that. And they also have more of a respect for the real thing. And if anybody questions, say, here's a play phone and a real phone, which one is a baby going to go for? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we did is we um, hammered down all of these rocks. We added some water and they created their own paint. Now they're learning how to source pigments, natural pigment. Mm-hmm. Now they have black. They were like, let's go to the fireplace. There's black there. So they had black. Now they had brown. They had gray. And they're three and six-year-olds. Oh my goodness. I was going to ask what are the ages that you're doing this with? Yeah. Wow. Three to six. We just opened up on Thursday just with the older kids. But uh-huh. for these are three-year-olds that know. And then everybody puts the hammers back. And we have this thing called the blood zone. Like when we're working with the blood zone, like everybody's hands go back. Hmm. And so 
they know how to respect tools. They know how to now source out pigment, add some water. We didn't filter. We didn't do it the exact correct way because we don't want it to be that the first time mm-hmm. like that. I could have had all those things, but first we, we have to identify that there is a problem and how, how do we navigate this? How do we navigate in the moment? And, and I didn't want to bring all the things we will, but I'm not going to. And, and so now you're using your natural world. You're building a respect. Now the questions are what kind of rocks work and what kind of rocks didn't work? <laughs> why, do, why, why are those rocks okay? And these aren't, I didn't give any answers. I'm like, let's write this all down. Cause these are our wondering wow. questions. So I could be the didactic teacher that says, well, sedimentary is better and the smaller ones are great, but no, that's, that's my observation. Cause I have the tool, right? I know it. That's not, if I spew it to them, this will be a long process of arguing about rocks <laughs> to end of June, because we want them to get to the place of like, well, there's still a lot of little rocks. How do we get that smaller? And I'm like, what do you mean by smaller? Like where there isn't any, I'm like, oh, we'll have to think of something. She's like, something like to hold it. Like, you know, like spaghetti when the string, I've ha- I have all this <sighs> stuff. If a three-year-old is speaking like this, taking that away from them is me telling the child, I know the answer. Mm. I don't want I, want I guess to- that's such a key difference. Sorry to interrupt. That's such a, when we look at, there's so many elements to what I could say back to everything you've just said, but as in the normal, and I'm going to say normal like this, education system, we instantly go in and it's just all a matter of right and wrong, right and wrong. And we're just constantly, kids are trying to find their way through that. Like, oh, was I right? Was I wrong? I was wrong. Okay, there's slight punishment there. So let's go for right again. And we're just constantly bouncing back. But empowering them, like everything I've just heard is, I don't think you could write a better way to empower a child where you are, you find the answers. And, and when I say find the answers, it's not almost finding the answer in a right or it's working out how it works why is this like this and just using your brain at that age I think we go wrong so much of the time thinking that children just don't know and they need to be told everything and so it's like wow what if going back to what you just said what if at such a young age we ask the children that they have the power they find out what works and what you know what leads to what or they might get it quickly and they might get it might take them all you know like six months however whatever it needs to be and but doing that at this age oh I wonder how they might be when they're a teenager if they literally started like this and how would they be like an adult if they haven't do you know how many people like so I remember like way back when I went to uni and I was brought up in a way like, you go figure it out yourself. I was brought up on a farm. My parents are super busy doing that. But I'm super thankful for having so much freedom to find my way almost. And with and so, yeah, but so many people going to university like, I have no idea to look after myself. I don't know what I like because everything's been decided for me. And so one of yeah. the things, and this is, again, I'm speaking from what I have. Uh, mm-hmm. When you look at preschool and um, you have the well-meaning teacher that is cutting out all the crafts, um, has everything displayed because that craft has to look good for the parent. Mm, but the parents. the child is you're not good enough to do it on your own. Mm. Because when we step in so much, indirectly we're saying I can cut, but you don't have the cutting skills, but it has to look this way. Instead wow. of it being a process of it may look like a three-year-old did it and yet we tell that three-year-old you can't I gotta fix it because mommy and daddy needed to look like we did something Mm. and so the message is 
so my own pedagogy is always the message I'm sending to the child. And I'll always tell the parents, this isn't about you. This is about the child. Mm -hmm. And they know that I'm very transparent with every parent and they're supportive because they realize that the message we send to them is maybe this blob on this paper is awful looking to somebody else. But to that child that went out, forged paints, used a hammer, put water in and tried to measure it at three, like how much water should I put in with their little uh -huh. fine uh -huh. And now they're really making these really amazing cognitive thoughts. And that blob may mean nothing to others. To me, uh -huh. it was amazing. So wow. the message and the skills that we're sending them are so much more important than the beautiful window treatments with mm. the beautiful bulletin boards that the teachers did that is for the show of it. And while that's well-meaning, it is one, very exhausting on the teacher. Two, mm. the message is if you sit there and you're good and you do your work, then you're a good kid. But you really did nothing all day. Think about it. you did nothing all day. And so when we start really dismantling it without any blame or shame or embarrassment, because I was that teacher too. So if anybody's listening, at one point I was there. Mm. And so once they started really taking it back and saying, this is an authentic learning. This is an authentic living. This mm. is not real. And it really hit me. And so now the goal is always, what message are we sending? What are we learning? What are we trying to um, filter to this child so the brain and the message makes sense? And for me, Century Garden Play is this wonderful place where on Instagram, you see the mud. You see all these things. Um, and there is a point to that, right? Because it is your marketing and the, that's what people are like, whoa, right? It mm. shocks you. But when we think of society, we go and spend what tons of money on these great outfits for children to go to school in because they have to look pretty and they have to look clean because it's a model of mom and dad. <laughs> but we so send them to school mm. with a rain jacket and rain boots to go experience the rain. But yet we'll sit in a classroom with a weather chart and talk to you about the chart, but not let you go outside. Mm. So when we ask parents, and everybody knows you have to have some kind of muddy buddy. That's what we call them. Uh, rain big pants. For winter, we wear our winter gear. Um, and we tell the parents, one, it's great for uh, insects and ticks and all these things. But two, they now feel freedom to mm. go experience their learning on them. They're not afraid of, I can't get this dirty because my mom's going to be upset. Mm. So now they know they have the freedom to do whatever they need to do physically so then our children are being told to sit. And I have been doing some research. The rise of occupational therapy right now is very high. Well, mm. imagine if you didn't have a child sitting and having to do those fidget things and they were actually moving, would that number drop down? Mm. I'm going to say it well, <laughs> because you're not asking a child to really do what they want to do. Mm. And they're moving around and they need it. And so we look at movement as, oh, they're just kids. No, our children this week, and this is, I have a stepper, so this is, you know, a, a, a little indication, mm -hmm. um, 10,000 steps a day before two o'clock. And wow. that's on a, on a, on a opening week where we take it slow. Okay. <sighs> so all the kids are now sleeping better. They come home. There are no tantrums. One, because they had mm. children. One second, because they actually did, they solved the problem with their peers. So we don't have what we, what people call bullying. We don't have time for that. 
we have a lot of problems to solve in the world. Mm. And then to them, it's real problems. We found a, a snail shell that should have not been where we were. So now like, how did that <laughs> bring out the nets? Let's get it out. <laughs> we got to find out if there's more. And meanwhile, I really think it was just something that somebody left behind. This is a real, and now, so now they're also invested in their land because before we go anywhere, whether it's in the forest, in the water, we center before we enter. We say hello uh -huh. to every critter. We say hello to the trees. We hug them. We build a relationship. Just that connected uh, connection that uh. they built is essential for just the self. Forget mm. who you're going to be and what's going to happen in the world and all the degrees you're going to get. You have now connected this little body to the self and, and, and the environment. Mm. How beautiful would that be if we saw more adults do that? Oh my god, there's just so many elements of what you've just said. First of all, surely that's like a uh, that's just like a meditation, isn't it? But you're getting kind of whatever ages they are by having that connection with earth and the respect for it at such a young age, that is their version of meditation, you know? And also linking it, there's two one other thing jumping back where you said and it blew my mind and I just I resaw my childhood because where when you're in school and I would say do a happy mother's day card. And there I've done it in my little writing. And in my head, it says exactly that, like happy mommy's day card or something. And then I realized by the time I've given it to them, the teacher has actually written the words because clearly they, they've tried, I've seen adaptions, I've drawn a house and they've drawn a roof on it. And, and then I think, and then it's almost, it's saying instantly, I hand it over and it's saying, yeah, your version just wasn't enough. You know, your version, we had to make it better. And so that from, I've never thought about it until you kind of said about it like that. And now if, if, if you wow. think of your whole child, think about yeah, it at that age, everything mm. you did at that young age, when you were so impressionable, mm. it was kind of, and well-meaning taken from yeah. you. Well, it was well-meaning, but it was taken from you. And then the message, and I think that there is this, and I look at it because I have daughters, mm -hmm. is especially for a young girl, for my children, not everybody, but for what I think is you're not good enough. And we already got that at the age of three and four. Your mm -hmm. work wasn't good enough. I remember back, again, the same thing where I was like, but that's not what I did. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm a, you know, a, a young girl and I'm like, I got these messages. You weren't good yeah. enough. Mm -hmm. And then add the... You need to be pretty and dress right and don't get dirty. Yeah. And then you wonder why at 13 and 14, we have so many young women who are lost. Well, it started at three. Mm -hmm. Started at three. So let's let's take off all the pretty clothes to go during school. Let's get them experienced to learn authentically. Mm -hmm. And that's something that renders with me so much because I have two daughters, but also because it's we have to be the good girl. You know, mm -hmm. be a good girl and you got to be a good boy and you got to be, you know, a good person. But we're not explaining that they have a voice as well. Mm -hmm. And so the blob that went home, beautifully done by mom, she sees <laughs> it and she's like, this is the most amazing thing. Tell me more. Mm -hmm. And I looked at mom and I'm like, you nailed parenting today. Sometimes <laughs> you didn't. You nailed parenting because this thing mm -hmm. went home and I knew the execution and that little baby worked mm -hmm. so hard on that thing. And mom's reaction was so good. Mm, and so that is, a, a, a when you look at all the stakeholders in this child's life at that moment, mm. the message we sent is you're good enough. You are enough. What you did mattered. You are validated and you are seen by us. Mm. 
what better manifesto in a day can you give a child yeah that is just absolutely stunning and I just yeah I feel and there was this other thing that you said about almost so with adults how getting kids to go out you know the importance of that when we're an adult we're expected to be able to regulate ourselves so what do they advise for an adult okay after working x amount of time get up go for a little walk now come back down so you can concentrate and yet we expect kids to almost uh to be doing that the same as a someone who's 20 30 40 50 years older than them yet they've got no clue how to communicate out and so you're expecting them regulate your emotions communicate clearly and all of these things by not i'm talking in like normal school system right you come into school ready to learn instantly oh you're fidgeting about i was uh, i was going to say i was a fidgeter but what kid almost isn't unless they've been kind of uh, punished into not doing that because your go-to is I've got energy right so where is that energy going and and so and I was probably one of the ones in the classroom who had it the most for whatever reason that's a half a conversation but I yeah I had no idea what to do with it I was full up of it I had a speech impediment which really severely because I didn't know how to communicate that came out in other ways so I had all the angst and I had no idea where to put it and I there was probably one teacher out say maybe my 20 teachers and it's definitely not as a whole and every experience is different for everybody and one teacher was like hmm I wonder why she's got this why this is happening where everything else is why is it like it was a stop being like this, Kelly. Look at all the other kids. They can sit there. Why are you doing this? And yeah, just that in systems. This, yeah, I could rattle I on about if that. We, if we reflect, first of all, we have to, if people understood how the education system was built and it's in the industrial era where we needed line workers and why it was done the way it was done, which was at that era, it made sense. We're no longer there. So I always mm. offer this to parents when they say hey I want to I want my child to be in your program I'm like I want you to answer yourself a question what is education versus what is learning and the Mm -hmm. reason is because immediately they'll say education and they'll start having these wonderful thoughts that are kind of coined terms by society it's Mm -hmm. a system they go to school they learn and then I said what is learning and then all of a sudden we break down the parameter of what is it that that you want your child to learn. And so for me, from my own daughters, I want them to learn about themselves. I want them to have hobbies Mm. because that's where the joy comes in, right? Because we're, we're driven. And so if you have hobbies, it's wonderful. And then why do you want them to learn certain things? So for me, obviously the outdoors, my children have a great sense of responsibility to animals. Um, Mm, I think the pours out of them. And so what I tell the parents is we're going to teach them how to be really good humans and to be authentic. If you want your child reading at the age of four, this isn't the program for you because I don't think at the age of four, I'm going to sit and spew out letters because first I want to build the self, the brain, the heart, and then we can do academics. Uh. If in the meantime, there's interest for the academics, that's fine because one of the things that we struggle with in four schools in general is we're not taken serious because of the mud. Also, then what do you do? And I'm like, right, but if our child, if our three and four-year-olds can point out in the dead of winter, a maple tree, tell you about the bark, the branches, and the buds, and identify other trees at the age of three and four, we're teaching them a lot more, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, society has gotten this term, at least um, for us, it's kindergarten readiness. And I look and I go, but the kindergartner will be ready, but we have to get the self 
ready, mm -hmm. not the academics, right? So uh, our children are now, or in our kindergarten program, they're starting letters, quote unquote, late compared to public. Mm -hmm. Yet we don't have tantrums. We're not mm -hmm. regulating any bullying. We have a fair uh, play on stick play. So when they do play, we frame out, all right, we're going to play with sticks. We're going to be with swords. And how is it that we're going to play? And what doesn't look safe when somebody does what? And they'll say, like, if they're covering or there's fear, then we stop. Hmm. Also, now we have cooperation before we begin. Wow. So now there is no, oh, and if somebody did get hurt, oh, he hit me by accident. Okay, so, like, what does that feel like? It doesn't feel good, right? Did you help? You know, what do we learn from this? And so now hmm. you're offering the modeling before they're doing it instead of just saying go and play so you'll hear the kids and say okay we're gonna play swords but let's hit this over here so we don't get hurt and they're three and four kind of unknown territory but why is that such unknown territory i know why it is because of these societal norms etc um right and so there's a lot that goes into like why we do certain things. But I think the biggest hurdle for us is, you know, between 11 a.m. and 12 a.m., that's when we separate in like our groups. And um, if a lesson is eight minutes for a three-year-old, because that is their ability, then that is eight minutes of instructional time. And that's really us when we sit down and discuss maybe a topic. So as I said, we, we, I, we needed paint and I knew I took away all of it and they were like, what is going on? And so now even the youngest child is like, we need to get rocks. And if his job is just to find little rocks at two and a half because he came in and the other ones were like, well, we have hammers, we have tools. And now we have all, and that day, because it was a big exploration investigation day, we had all 17 kids, like literally gushing to find this answer. And then when we had it, it was just beautiful. And that's a day-to-day -day occurrence. And mm -hmm. so for us, when people are, um, they talk about fires, we have fires every day and we cook wow. by the stove every, you know, a fire pit. So it's nothing to us, but we have also what we call fire uh, safety. And so we go through all of this. So they have more of a respect for it than a fear of it. They know they can get hurt mm -hmm. and we have staff that is trained and we have all of things. But what we're telling them is we respect you enough that we know you're not going to do it because mm. you're right next to us and we're going to help each other. And we'll hear the bigger kids gentle reminder. You're too close. You've passed the cone. And so, like, I think the idea is because of COVID, the only silver lining I think that have it happened during COVID is it made us question society and made us question education. And to me, in my heart, because I was looking at it from that scope, nothing else, um, I felt that we were going to really look at education and break down what's not working. Mm -hmm. And so the more that it took place, the more we started seeing is A, kids need to be outside. Kids need to be outside with the weather. Let's look at how we teach. Let's look at the ways that we're teaching. And I think at one point I saw the success our program was having. And then I knew my heart not for society, not for other people, that I was going back to what I was saying. I was paving the way for these children that will change mm. the world. Mm. The resilience, the building these children up, all like how I can link it to make sense in my head is the majority of people I coach, I would say are in their, they won't mind me saying this because this is the society that we live in, are right. in their forties, have ticked every box known to man, done everything correct everything right everything that was expected 
had got the grades, went to the university, did the job, got the marriage, got the car, got everything. And something is massively missing. And then I ask about, I ask them a simple question often. When did you last have fun? And I have full, I have grown men crying their eyes out of that question because they think back, they're like, well, I do, I do this thing or that, but the fun element doesn't come in or there's something, there's a sense of purpose missing. I ask them about who they really are. And there's this lack of, they say who they are. And then I'm like, I don't think that is who you are. And then we delve and delve and delve. And then we realize who they actually want to be. And but there's this such lack of confidence to then reinvent themselves to be this person because society, their wife knows them as this their version or their husband knows them as this version, their whoever, their friends know them as this version. So then they get this trapped sensation and that's where I, I guess the whole where the whole midlife crisis thing comes in or, you know, it doesn't have to be to that extent, but there is just that lack of being, pers- purpose, fun, all of this stuff. And then I was only speaking earlier, we we're having this conversation about, isn't it? And I, we're talking because we're coming on the podcast today and saying, isn't it funny? When we're kids, we just so want to be full of play and all this, you know, no embarrassment. And we just do what we want to do. Then as the years go on, and I was going to ask you if you see this in the years, actually, as children go on, because actually, so what we were saying about how when she was about 14, 15, 16, she had a friend and They were friends outside of school and they would make dens together outside of school. But in school, they weren't friends because her friend was embarrassed to be someone who made dens outside of school. And my partner didn't give a damn, just love making uh, love making dens. But how, you know, at certain ages, it's like, oh, you can't do that. That's silly now. It's silly to be doing things like that. And then we get grow older and older and older. We stop doing all these things. And now how there are, say, retreats for people to spend thousands of pounds on to go and basically live like a child for a week. They come away after spending five thousand pounds like, God, I just had the most amazing time and all of this. And I'm like, wow, it's we we do a 360, don't we? Um, Yeah. If any of that makes sense, it's no, it does, because when you're three and four, you live authentically. And so Mm, when we that's it, that's it. Is that why don't you do that in your everyday practice? So for me, I do breath work. I do yoga. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I live in a, in a society where I have friends and family who think like I just play in the mud and I know authentically what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. you have to have this very strong core of you can think what you need and that's your business. It's not mine. Mm-hmm. And so after I've been teaching what, 16 years, I did both. Yeah, I see the value in what I'm doing right now far, far longer than I think I had. And, and I mean that with love, it's because I am teaching awareness, self-awareness in the middle of their lesson. I am validating them Mm. not through grade, but through their work. Mm. And when you are being validated, like as an adult, you know what, Chantel, that was amazing what you just did out there. I can't believe that that's how you thought of that. That goes far better than your than your boss saying, yeah, that was good. Yeah. So what we're getting, what I think is we have to look at it from our educational system and then like how we're bombarding our children and parents to do it all when we're mm-hmm. not supposed to do it all. And then slowly dismantle this idea of um, you're not enough. No, you are enough. It's the message that I go back to the little girl and her drawing and like how we take away these moments, well-meaning teachers 
and we stress out our teachers, by the way, um, <laughs> to try to do all these fluffy things when it's really not about that. It's the message behind this lesson or, you know, why I found that shell. And all of a sudden I'm like, why I knew I had an idea of why I was there. But the fact that they were like, let's get nets. We have a problem. And they want to solve this environmental issue, which I don't think there is any, but this was <laughs> us exploring the options and not saying, oh, don't worry. We have, we have to go mm. do the A. No, they had a real tangible thought of this is a problem. So I'm going to go with your problem. I'm not going to tell you no. I'm going to say, mm. I think we have a problem. I, what happened? So the other day, prime example, and this is funny. Our walkie, one of our teachers walkie talkies went missing. It was funny. I turn around to a crying child who's brand new to the program. And I said, maybe the duck took it. So I'm like, duck, do you have it? One of the teacher picks up another walkie talkie and she starts quacking. Kids come running over. They're like, how did he take it? Now everybody went home that day trying to find out, does a duck have flippers? Does a duck have talons? What does a duck have? And uh, they came in pouring the next day. And this was a snippet, like three minutes of the whole day. Uh, Parents were like, can you explain to us what happened? Because all over a duck. But what we were talking about was adaptation. Why are the ducks here so soon? So now it became, wait, the ducks are here soon. They had a message for us, right? Because it's all imagination. Um, Maybe they're here because spring is actually coming sooner. Do we see signs of spring? And these are young kids. And if you really look at it like that, and now you take that whole thought, where did adults lose that? They lost it because they no longer have passion. They don't Mm. have a purpose. My job is very stressful, but I have to admit, and I've said it, I've said it all the time. I wake up and it's not with an alarm, man, it's purpose. Mm. I, I have a lot of purpose in me. And it's not only for the kids and our society and trying to get regulators to see what we're doing, but it's because I see the value in it. I enjoy it. And also I think there's a level of, I'm going to make you see it. I'm going to make you see it because my children need it. And so I'm the person that looks very busy all day, but it's not because I'm trying to be busy. I have dreams to make. I have dreams Mm. to make these things. So when people are like, you squeeze the day, I'm like, I squeeze everything because there's so much there. We don't have it. I would offer people to really start listening to what is it that they don't have. Because if you ask a child that same question, what is it that's missing? They're going to talk about a tangible object, right? (laughs) My bear, my this. And then if you ask them how they feel, all the kids will say a color, right? Mm -hmm. Go further. They'll really tell you, you ask an adult. Adults can't tell you what color they feel. Try it. And you'll you'll find that they can't because they can't sit with themselves. So when you have a four-year-old that's meditating by a tree, because we were meeting trees the other day. And so they went to the tree and they tickled the tree and they hugged the tree and they loved the tree. And then they had to really um, smell the tree. And what does it smell mm. like? And this new child I'm thinking about sat there and said, this feels like it's earth. And I, I was like, tell me more. And he's like, I'm calm right now. This is a child that was put into the program because he was too fidgety. That child meditated for three minutes. And that's a long time for a child. And yeah, I guide them, you know, and it's it's not like they're just going to it. No, we guide them through it. And then touch the moss. And what does a moss feel like compared? But you got to close your eyes because you got to meet nature one-on-one and they don't have eyes. 
So then all of a sudden they're like, you're right. I'm like, just don't walk, right? Just sit. Uh, but it, it comes down to meeting yourself. And I think a lot of us, if you sit down and you ask yourself, where am I as a child when I was last happy? You're going to find that most times it's going to be through play, through a time that they felt joy and love. And you know when that was taken away? When an adult said, you aren't good enough because mm. of something that was done to them in school. And it's mm. well-meaning. I am a Cuban uh, female and I wanted to be a physical therapist. And my uh, advisor said I was not smart enough and I was not the right race without saying it. And I did not apply. I didn't wow. apply. I, I I just didn't. I was like, okay. And he's like, mm. you know, and I, I stood there and I thought of it. I'm like, I got a lot of those messages by well-meaning people mm. because we didn't have the research. It's not like I'm angry. It's, it's, I understand that time. But so now I go back into my pedagogy and everything you do I always offer, what do you think about your own work instead of me always mm -hmm. gratifying you? Because yeah. if you show me something beautiful and I say, what do you think of it? And you can explain how wonderful that felt and look at what I created. And I, I designed this, Miss Chantel. Well, I am proud that you're so proud. I'm um. so proud that you're so proud of your work. I think it's amazing. And so now we're having this conversation, but in indirectly, I want to build intrinsic self-esteem. Mm not the outdoor validation. So then you know a little bit about what you like. So as you get older and you go, oh, I really like to paint, go back to paint for a little bit. I don't care if it looks like anything, go back. So finding your purpose is really important and not letting society jade you. God, I just want to bundle that exact thing that you've just said. I think, firstly, there's not many people on this earth, or there are multiple, but when I come across them, they're like a sunshine soul. And there is a sentence that you said, I'm going to make them say it. And that just aligns so much with how much you live and breathe. And it is your values. It is you were bought, you were placed here to do that, right? There's not many people on this earth who I think were literally placed and they're like, you are born to do this. And if you're not doing it, the world is missing out on you doing that. That your bundles of that in essence, and you have just aligned completely down to what you should be doing. And those kids and everyone around you are just so fortunate that you have, yeah, you're woke to that and that's what you do. So firstly, you're amazing. Um, and yeah, just that power of having to do that. But so one thing I was interested about, you said I wouldn't kind of go back to, you said it was a European model. So what we have, so for instance, in the UK, I, it's super niche. So it's a tiny amount of people um, who do that. It's very much seen as the minority. Uh, the Our UK system, so many flaws. It's very much plays a purpose, but very much there for the mathematicians, the scientists, the engineers and things like that, right? So where you said about the industrial side of things, that's, that is how our education system still very much as a whole, not every place can't talk, but as a whole, it's a known thing. That is what it leads us into still. And if we want to get this, we have to do something outside of that. And so where are you? So how did you first come across it? And were you like, hmm, because obviously you were within the system and you were like, something's not quite right here. But it's I think it's always very good to kind of have both sides. So you know what that was like, because you see, as you say, I know some fantastic teachers in the system and they're doing brilliant things they are if it wasn't for as i say there was a one teacher who really stood out he is well and truly in the center of the system but he changed my life in so many ways because he caught me at that age so yeah what how did you come across that or 
I just think it was, um, I think I, you, you know, you grow as an educator, as a person, like, and it's okay to admit that I did do that. And now I realize it's not working. Um, and so that's why this is not a knock on teachers. I think there's amazing teachers out there in the system, outside of the system, tutoring everything. Mm. But there comes a point when you keep going to your principal, you're higher up and you're like, they're not getting this. And they're like, just try. And you're like, right, it's my seventh year. And like, this is still a topic that they shouldn't be teaching, like, mm. learning. And so then when you start asking yourself all the time, like this isn't working and I'm doing it all. And I've had some great moments, but something's not right. And mm -hmm. so I left, uh, I worked in inner city district and I loved it, um, moved on. And then when I had my children, I was ready to go back and my kids were born 10 weeks early. So I had premature children. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was going to stay home for the first year and really decide on what I was going to do. And I saw the difference when my kids, uh, because we couldn't go to the parks, we really couldn't get sick. Their lungs weren't ready. Mm -hmm. Um, we went on trails. And so I was always about sensory play because when you're born 10 weeks early, they're going to tell you, you know, we're looking at um, severe disabilities, uh, things that may are going to show up. So my goal every day was after breakfast, it was art time with all different types of textures. Like it was all planned out. Mm. The teacher and me came out for a full year um, and then we hit the trails. Wow. And what I started seeing was my daughters were very, um, they, I didn't have sleeping issues and I should, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had all these other things that I was seeing value in them. And so as they were getting older, I was watching peers and I was starting to see the value in being outdoors. So um, I took a job on when the girls were about two and a half at a nursery and they came with me. And my little bean, Luna Ray says, <laughs> are we done here? I need to go learn. And she goes, I go learn outside. And she, I look, and I, I was feeling a lot of pressure because I knew this wasn't what I wanted, but I knew I wanted mm. to get back to work. And this was a great a place where I can bring them. Mm. And it was wonderful. And my little bean made it very clear. And I looked at her and I felt my whole heart shatter because I was doing something for a paycheck against my my very well thought I got in the car we, we were done with the half day and I cried all 16 minutes home because mm. I knew what she had said to me was what I was feeling but I felt weird about saying it and then um. I I took a phone call a friend of mine called and said you know stop stop playing small in your life look at everything you do with the kids look at everything you've accomplished god damn it stop playing small start looking at your track record and I'm like, so I got a pencil and I wrote down exactly what my vision was for my children and how I wanted it to look. And I didn't touch it. COVID happened. Hmm. And who starts a business during COVID? So I said, if I get four kids and four families, you know, that'll be enough. Like four little ones. I got 14. <laughs> three locations within three weeks and over 25 children all oh outdoors. Goodness. Wow running a little business with my little twins, going to the parks because I wasn't set up yet. Mm -hmm. So then people were like, I had no website. I didn't have anything. They just knew that I was a good teacher. And so mm -hmm. it evolved. Then the following, we started doing three half days or two half days. I apologize. And the numbers were too much because huh. it was only two of us. And so then I'm like, okay, we're, people are seeing that this is a thing. And so I started really outlining the business model websites came in, Instagram came in and I'm like, okay, 
you're seeing what I'm seeing. So I was starting to post a lot of stuff that uh, was too much. Like the content was too much because people didn't want to see that. And I didn't know Instagram that way. So I zig and I zag. I put whatever I think you want to see. And then I throw in a little bit of caption of what I really want you to read. How I do it. But what happened was, is that people then started understanding I'm not the only one. I promote other forest schools so people can see it. That there's such uh, a need for it. For our mental health specifically. My mental health with all the stress and running a business. Twins. As I'm doing a podcast and I have three meals being set right now just so I can get meal prepping done. Still, I find much more validation because the purpose Mm. is to go back to what I feel that children need to, we need to preserve their childhood. We need to preserve back and take their education to a place that they are validated. Yes, there will become a time in middle school and high school where it will be a little bit more competition, right? Mm-hmm. Where there will be the rigor is different. So I'm not saying that it's not going to be there, but can we prep the the person, the self mm. prior to it? So when the academics does do come in and there's a point where you are doing research, you have the actual want to research why the shell was by the water because when you were <laughs> little, you were discovering something and now you have a passion for it. Mm. And I think we're taking the passion away from children because we need them to sit. We need them to be good girls and good boys. <laughs> we need them to listen because it's really easy for me if everybody's listening. Mm. Right? So we're using tools because the teacher needs them, right? Um, but can we look at tools that maybe aren't as effective and that maybe we need to reevaluate what does listening mean mm-hmm. to make them so to, so one of the gripes that I have with everybody is um if you were um doing something and you didn't want to answer me you would say you know I'm just I'm not I don't want to answer and I would be like oh whatever she doesn't want to answer mm-hmm. but for a child we're like tell me you have to tell me so and so true. instead I don't I'm like if you're not wanting to answer that's cool come <laughs> back I, your answer is not for my own teaching validation because if you mm. give me the answer then as a teacher I go I taught well it's not about me and so we go back to that where if it's about the child and the child is in the middle of a lot of people and says I'm like okay come back to you later then mm. I'll come back later on and I'll say were you okay I was a little nervous all right cool. so what mm. you mean I'm validating the child instead of validating the teacher and a, and a very strong teacher will understand like and that child just doesn't want to talk this morning. Do you want to talk before coffee? Because I know I don't. <laughs> but so yeah, we true. make them do these things so for us. And yeah. then we wonder why adults are so programmed to be perfect and on. And it's I have to be enough. Because if I don't, I had this thought of when I was little and I did it, I wasn't enough. It all starts mm. when you're little. So instead, we're not. So I always say, if you don't want to talk, but maybe you have a question, go like this. I'll come <laughs> back around. And sometimes kids just want to whisper secret answers in your ear. We should teach them like that. So we have these adults who feel, and I did not have a great upbringing. I did not have a two-parent system. I did not come from a very good family. That's not it. I go back to your mess is your message. (laughs) So true. So create that mess that you have. Let it stir up. Mm. And then what kind of life do you want for yourself? Mm. And it takes a lot of gumption and it's not easy and it's not going to be perfect. It's going to hurt, but effort (laughs) and attitude and being real to what you want is the only way to live. Only Mm. way. Effort.
effort and attitude. And it doesn't mean, I think Brene Brown says those, those quotes and I, it doesn't mean it's going to be great. It doesn't mean I'm going to mm-hmm. be rolling in money. I'm not, but I'm happy. Yeah. That's and nice. I know that my children that are going to go through me are going to change this world. Mm-hmm. And all I did was pave that way. That to me is monumental. Oh, that is just stunning as I say if I could bottle it up I'd keep it in my pocket you whoever said it you say it, however you live your life like effort and attitude so that is everything the, when people say life is hard and there are multiple multiple areas of difficult and and but when you have a fulfillment when you have a purpose when you don't mind as you say you wake up with it it's not a oh it's that time again oh i'm doing something i'm not aligned with uh this is taking up all my energy and it's not what i want to be doing when can i work on myself sort of thing when you have an attitude is so important attitude to a willingness you know to get through things and things like that um on a side note there was this other thing which you kind of touched upon how there's this uh i think it was mary portis this uh this British woman and she said this sentence uh creativity is born in boredom and I thought that is genius that summarized so much of my childhood as in it's not about you know like leaving your kids absolutely there's got to be the interaction with them to go along with it that's where you get it right and I guess the key is it's letting them lead isn't it it is that's where this creativity comes in not being like here you go have this thing and this thing and this thing and yeah, that's a bit of a side note, but it kind of touched no, no, upon I, almost I, what I, you're saying. I think that's that's what it is. It's also letting them lead mm-hmm. and not making a scene because I'm the adult. I know more than you. So there are yes. yeah. times where I tell the kids, I don't know what kind of birch tree that is. So we're <laughs> going to describe it because birch is not the easiest. Uh, and we're going to describe it and then take some pictures and I'm going to have to research it. And maybe we'll we'll look at it like we'll find another one and mm. not pretending you know it all. And let's go look for our book. We have a tree book. Let's go look at that and let's see if we can figure it out. And so when you're teaching, we're learning together and you're mm. not trying to say, I know the answer, do this. Then it's a little bit different. And I'm also talking about three and six-year-olds, which is a point of brilliance that they have. They come up to with so many great great wondering questions but we also rip it away from them because we try to give the answer again it goes back to teacher if you give me the answer then i know i talk correctly like that this didactic way of of learning and teaching is not right again the message the message is i know more than you so you need to listen but if we reframe and say i don't know let's figure it out together i now became this child's peer there's a lot of respect when it comes to that they now look at you and go, you're right. Let's do this together, right? Let's go. Wow. And so now the relationship is very, very different. Very different because we're doing it together. We're investing. So when you think of like cooperative player, why you like working with certain people, mm. it's because we're doing it together. So this idea, especially in the world where everything is technology and it's one-on-one and we're missing communication with each other. Well, we're not because we found a shell. We got to figure out where it came from. And it's an environmental issue. And we got three-year-olds putting on nets and figuring it out because it's a problem, but we're all Mm -hmm. working together. So we have no time for bullying. We have no time for, I know more than you. There is none. Mm -hmm. So we're building a little society in, in a forest that we're retraining, or I should say, really raising in a way where everybody matters and we all belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love that. By the time people come to you, are there any, is there any resistance do you find at all still? Um, uh, there still is. Okay. Um, when we get, I call the people on the fence. 
So mm. the people in in the forest with us, they already know the value. They have it. The people on the fence are always the people you want to talk to because they see the value, but they're nervous. I'm bringing my kid to you and you're going in the forest. And the first question is, and we just had this wonderful parent. They signed up. Um, dad was like crying. Mm. Okay, he was dropping him off in the forest. And he's like, don't let the bear eat him. And I looked at him, I go, no, we sit next to the bear for lunch. And he looked <laughs> at me like, poor joke at the time. <laughs> and he looked at me and I was like, we got this, we're good. And I've gone through bear drills. I We explained to that bears really don't want to be around us, the misconception of society and like what we really encounter. I'm like, we are more afraid of a loose dog off a leash. Mm. that's really what we encounter um i said you know other than that we're so far we've we've only encountered one bear and it was because he was by the dumpster our old location and he wanted the food he never <laughs> came to us he was actually really afraid of us and so we still have those questions but the people on the fence are the people we love to see uh come in because they're the ones who acknowledge it they see the reason, but it's out of societal norms. Mm. So like, why would I do that? And so I feel like the fence watchers are the ones that I love the most because then you got to give them a lot of credit to go mm -hmm. against what society is telling them and saying, you know what? I, I, tr I believe in her. I believe I'm very transparent on Instagram. Like our stories daily come up. So you see your child's story. Mm. It is not something that's, you see it live as, as quickly as we can put it up. And so I find that that has been uh, a value where they see the transparency behind our Instagram and our social media. Um, and so our, our, going back to what you're saying, I think that the hesitation will always be animals. Uh, the hesitation is, you know, what happens if it rains? Because those well-meaning parents say, when it rains, you're going to get sick and inside. Mm. And when it rains, my kids are like, let's go outside. Right? <laughs> um, so we then give them tips of what we have found, which I think is probably the most valuable if we shut down tomorrow, this is like the most valuable thing is that now parents are taking and saying, you know what, it's raining. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to go get the mail huh. and having your rain boots by your door. And now realizing that your kid is playing and jumping and you're watching and your child's happy and it's easy. And I've had parents say, I've never walked in the rain, wow. like not, not walked to the, like walked out of my car to go yeah. but not walk to just walk and then all of a sudden they're like my kid was outside for 25 minutes and the chintel the cleanup wasn't bad like you said the boots go on the side <laughs> and they go right into the tub and all of a sudden their whole transition in life has changed because they went out to just walk in the rain mm. so you're now using a different part of your brain you've changed the dynamic in your house and then that will trickle on to other things mm. where that's when you realize that when your kid is upset, mark my words, water and rain, water and outdoors to mm. put them in the tub or go outside. <laughs> Just go those two things. Wow. And so we have seen a lot of parents say, now we keep rain boots in the car. I'm like, wow, that's a big deal. That's great. Uh, yeah. you. Now I keep a rain jacket, Miss Chantel, in the car. And they're so proud because to them it is. And now mm. you're not afraid anymore. And I'm like, you never were afraid. You were just normed to think you couldn't. It's so true. It's just the programs, isn't it? That's been passed on to them and then on to them. It's even the other day, kind of having a dog walk and you speak to someone and they say, oh, the kids are wild because, you know, it's been bad weather. So we haven't been out. 
And you're like, wow, it literally is like a dog being kept in a crate or something. Like it's their first walk out. And so they just they accept, oh, they're going to be crazy because we've been in for the weekend. And you're like, these are like tiny Elo. They got to be out and doing everything. But as soon as that opens, it's like, oh, well, what else does that mean? What else could that lead to? And yeah, absolutely. When you frame it for the parent like that, these little Mm. tips, rain boots on the side and a towel on the side. So true. It's the practical tips. Yeah. And the practical tips help moms not to feel so overwhelmed. Mm. And so our kids, when they take off the rain bibs, we always tell the parents, just make sure you have an extra bag in the car. They pop <laughs> off the boots, they put in the car, they jump in the car seat. All the stuff is in a bag. Mom now can literally take, put in the wash and it's ready for the next day. And <sighs> she's not going to feel like, oh my God, this is going to go in my house. <laughs> it's very simple and it's one step. But if you think of one step of taking all this off to cure tantrums, to cure meltdowns, um, you're going to be more connected to your child. You're going to feel less stressed out because your child has now open area space to learn and grow. Gosh, it's so, and as well, as you say, because, you know, for moms or parents or things, it is overwhelming. There are Mm -hmm. so many things. So they are in survival mode. They're trying to do their best as well as being this in-between where what's been passed down to me and maybe trying to do something different. And then you get caught up in lack of sleep and actually the doing. So anything can, that can just be these transferable, simple. So you just do this one element, just prep this one thing might take one minute, five minutes, and then that's just done. And what it can lead to where that opens up other avenues and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's where your work almost goes so much further. It's not just they come to you between this time and this time. It's just sending them away. It's a life thing, as you say, is literally changing elements of life for the child, the mm-hmm. parent, for everyone, the family and everything. Mm-hmm. Gosh, yes, stunning. Yeah. So what is what's the plans next is it a continuation of all the amazing work you're doing where are we looking now going forward so we just moved locations yeah we moved to um an area where we feel we can grow in um Mm -hmm. we are not looking to quote unquote grow the program until i feel that we have found all the right staff um i'm very transparent where if it's not exactly what it needs to be then i'd rather not grow it Mm -hmm. because we're at the point where we're we are we have waitlist people now, which is big for us. Right. Um, And so we don't have a lot of staff and I'm not going to take away where we do have, you know, we have, let's say 16 kids. We have three teachers on all times. Like our numbers are very small, but we keep it that way because we don't want to lose the heart of it. Mm -hmm. And so I won't grow it if I don't feel these other elements are in place to um, we really, for us, because we're not a full blown school, we're just programs. Right. Um, one of the things that we are, I think if I would have to say, look at anything is make sure that we are now starting to influence our state and realize the lobbyists and uh, the public officials realize that we should be um, able to operate like a school, but they won't allow us. Well, I was um, going to say that the legislation behind it, what's it like there? They won't so, recognize it. No, Maryland right now, and I think Oregon are two states where they are very, very close. They're uh, they're at the Senate level. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're not, we're not even close to being there because nobody ever wanted to point towards this because then people are going to say, well, I don't understand it and push back. Where now Mm -hmm. there's so many other states that are coming up that I think we're at the point where we're really um, doing some work. There's some coalitions happening. Um, I'm in conversations with the lawyer about certain things that we want to push 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably the background is where I'm leading towards mm-hmm. to make sure that we can have more forest schools. Mm-hmm. But as far as growing myself, um, I will not do it if I don't see that all these things stay the same. We already have a public sector. Mm-hmm. We don't need another one. Mm-hmm. We need that is different and an alternative education I think should be a right should be a right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so if a private school can do it then four schools should be um, able to as well yeah 100% and I love that it just aligns so much again going back to your values of I guess the major problem with things like this anything where it comes to scaling anything is how do I keep the heart at the center of it like how is that and Obviously, they've got you running that and with all your awareness. So you'll know when it's right. You'll know when people walk through the door and you're like, you're coming with me and this is going to work out. Yeah. Right. And to me, uh, I I take great value in how I feel about my staff Mm. and I want them burnt out. Mm -hmm. I want them. I want them. I always say teaching is a lifestyle. So like it does Hmm. go into your life. It just happens. So true. Um, it's not something that you can just unplug on Friday and then that's it. It's just not. Um, so like I have eggshells sitting on my uh, counter because I want to try to learn how to make chalk with eggshells. <laughs> right? Like who does that? Only a teacher that wants to do it with their kids later. So then we can be like, we just became more sustainable. Uh, eggshells, right? Uh, so it is a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want to ever feel the way I did in the public se- sector where I wasn't enough. No matter how many accolades, no matter how many certifications, no matter how great my kids did, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And so my teachers are very important to me. The staff has to feel that they are obviously a purpose, that they come in and they show up because our kids need our champions, right? They show up, but mm-hmm. that they go home and that they also have their respite too. Mm-hmm yeah no that sounds beautiful I love that it's so true when you say a teacher is they are they're just learners of life aren't they just being you're a facilitator it's like facilitating that of them to find their way but you're gonna make them ask the right questions and I guess that's what you are yeah yeah I call it the art of questioning the art of questioning I love that that, that is a, a actually a big professional development that I have that I always say the art of questioning. Um, there's There could be beautiful curriculum, but if your questions don't have the power to probe and pull, then you need to not look at the curriculum and look at your questions. Mm. The curriculum wants you to find an answer. I want to know your yeah, thoughts. So true. So if I know your wondering thought and I can get down to that thought, no curriculum can mm-hmm. surpass a child's wondering thought I don't care how beautiful it is I've, I've, I've written curriculums mm-hmm. it's the questioning find mm-hmm. why and also leaving it open for the not knowing but mm-hmm. we'll come back right so the not knowing why is that shell there I wonder what happened and sometimes they'll say like a fairy left it maybe a fairy did leave it hmm. mm. and then you ask and usually fairies look like bugs and why does your bug have wings does it have legs Uh, and you're pulling because they're pulling from their element the art of questioning I think is something that we all as educators and as mm -hmm. parents really look at and I don't even know if that's a coin term but I use it (laughs) Mm, yeah no I love it I'm stealing it even just in the world of any age I think just having that curiosity being curious even just in relationships any form of relationship whatever that be parent partner whatever 
the level of questioning and it's saying, hey, I'm interested in you and I'm interested in what you have to say. And it's not an assumption. You're not mind reading. I think there's so much room for that. And and there was this thing I heard the other day of, you know, the one thing, the one of the big things that we miss out on so much is the sense of wonder is being mm-hmm. adults. We lose a sense of wonder so easily. And that's the very thing. If you can get the purpose and keep that wonder in life, then you're going to soak up all those magic elements, you know. But if you lose that sense of wonder, then, yeah, then what really is life all about, you know, if you can't have that? So, yes. And I think just to think of this way, wonder is reflection for adults. Hmm. So, wondering is metacognition, right? We wonder, we think, we think about our thinking, and the kids will do that. That's the same thing as when you have a reflection journal. Like you're thinking about your own thoughts. So when you're not sure, just journal because you're actually wondering. So when we have a child, we and we call them wondering questions. Like, what is your wondering question today? It really becomes a way of teaching them how to reflect. So it, later when they do write, they know exactly how to go back in because mm-hmm. they were taught early on. Mm-hmm stunning well thank you so 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 much i feel like i've touched the surface but we'll leave that anyway um but first where can people find you a sec definitely find me on our instagram mm-hmm. um I, obviously you follow it's sensory garden yeah. and play uh, i'm sorry sensory underscore mm-hmm. garden yeah. underscore play um so yeah that's usually where you can find us the most we're heading into youtube i just started tiktok um so we are shaking and baking I love that. You really are a squeezer of life and I love every angle of that. The purpose maker, that's what you are. What is it? The purpose maker. You just like bring out people's purpose. That's what you're going to be. I might just save you as that now, the purpose maker. You just create I, little purpose makers. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure just to chat with you and I hope um, you continue doing what you're doing because I think that when you really have authentic conversations with people about what they do you inspire others Mm. so you best keep this platform going oh thank you so much that means so there it is another week done of another way of living i hope you enjoyed it if you did could you please leave a review at the end i'd be super grateful whatever you have planned for the week i hope you have some snippets of wonderful and until the next time